she was she wasn't happy. Sure. And I get it because they did deserve more time. Yes. But I think it was the right decision. Um, the judge and the prosecutor, uh, Jenna McNeil, um, did a great job of explaining the process and a potential outcome and reminded her of her original conversation with me. It's like, I just want answers. I don't want their life ruined. Warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain graphic descriptions of violent assaults, murder, and adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Murder Police Podcast, The Murder of Charlie Sowers, Part 3. did but we can't play it for you guys well and the, and the inference will be because you're stupid yes i mean absolutely especially in today's climate yeah is that well they're, they're that's simple you know so yeah. um having had a, at least one i've had more but i had a big one one time where that was the case is that in the hard thing for the jury too is that if they're linear thinkers is they've got to know and yeah. and, and uh and and the, uh, mine was lenetta white and mm. and i remember talking to a reporter who covered the trial and I, we were at a gym one day, and he said, "You know, if it was me, I would have had to known who had the hammer in their hand because it was that." And and uh, Jonathan Goforth had thrown in the nefarious black guy that never was there. He threw another guy in the mix mm-hmm. that never existed. But that's hard for a jury, it and really it's hard is. when you're doing that because when you're testifying, it's those are the nuances people will never understand. Probably when you have to redact it and act like that other person doesn't exist. And, yeah. And, uh, and it, you look stupid in the you end. You really do. Yeah. Because, like, you arrested on that statement. And it's like, well, you didn't hear 35% of it. Yeah. You That's know? why, you know, a lot of people don't like plea bargains, but a lot of times mm-hmm. you take the plea on who you feel is the less culpable. And that's mm-hmm. tricky, too. Yep. Because we've put people, all of us have put people in prison before that uh, maybe uh, didn't even put the, pull the trigger. But you have to make a decision on Fisher mm-hmm. Cut Bait. Because the power of that statement, even though they're going to attack it, might get over those humps with you. Yeah. It's yeah. A, what a difficult thing for a jury to put, to put together. It really is. And again, those, trying those are nightmares. And you know going into it when you make the arrest, you're just like, oh, I can imagine this thing three years down the road, the the interview being cut to shreds, you know, mm-hmm. being redacted. And what are we going to be left with? And it was uh, it was looking to be a nightmare. But – on their end, too, they both knew that they put themselves there and one of them was responsible. And you can roll the dice and be like, uh, jury could be like, well, we can't decide so you can go free. Or they can be like, both of y'all mm-hmm. were responsible, so 25 to life for yeah. both of you. So there's a, a gamble on both sides. And this one, again, it was uh, Charlie's daughter. She was She was wonderful. When I explained to her that I was opening it up, she's like, I honestly believe that neither one of them went there to kill him. They went to steal his money. He caught them. He fought them, and it went too far. And she's like, they're young enough people. I don't want to see their entire lives ruined for this. So that was huge for us in, like, plea bargaining. I was going to say that when you'd mentioned the daughter is uh, is how she responded to complicity. Mm-hmm. You know, because the one thing everybody wants is full on murder. Yeah. And then when you start talking about manslaughter and reckless and wantons and all the different mm-hmm. mindsets and stuff, people start getting kind of shaky because, yeah, what do you mean reckless homicide? Yeah. And, 
the law the law dictates that. Which so she I guess was okay with the idea to use complicity. She was, um, and I talked to her too in that first meeting. I was like, "Listen, so much time's gone by. Some witnesses have died. Like, I think I can show probable cause that they did it. Convicting them is a whole different story." And she was, but at least I'll have peace to know who did. I was like, you think you know peace until they walk out of a courtroom on an acquittal. Yes. There's no worse feeling. I was like, so there will be the possibility of pleas for manslaughter. Sure. And I, I went ahead and told her that because I knew if it played out with the pointing the fingers at each other, that was going to be a real possibility. And sure enough, it was. So we start negotiating. And had you ever gone through mediation on a case, a trial? No, it was it's fairly new. And I think it got brought up with COVID. They were trying to speed up, you know, because they were getting so far behind in the court dockets. And it's a really interesting process. You've got a retired judge that comes in. The defendants are there. The prosecutors, me and the family are in the courtroom and that's it. The judge, the mediator, comes up and basically explains what's going to happen. And we had a retired judge, Judge Adams from Madison County. She was fantastic. Um, cause it would take a certain personality to do mediation. You've got to be able to really relate because at that point she separated the defense and their attorneys would go into a room and we stayed in the courtroom and she would come out and basically me or the, the prosecutor would give a synopsis of the case. And obviously she'd read through the case file and such. And she would talk to the family and it's like, you know, did some really good work here, but you know, there, you all have some obstacles and luckily I'd told these to Sharon beforehand so when she get a little it's like well I just don't think it's like Sharon I told you that this was going to be a real possibility you know you wanted to find out who did it and we did that and you didn't want their entire lives ruined okay and that's why we're here right now because we could go to trial and we could get 30 years or we could go and they could walk out I was like so this is a negotiation that happens on every murder case sometimes they go to trial but a lot of them plead out and it really just depends on the strength of the case. And because of the time that had passed and witnesses that had died, um, our case wasn't going to be great in trial. But, you know, we were able to provide the answers that Sharon and the family wanted. Um, and they wound up pleading on uh, manslaughter. Okay. And again, she's telling us and the family the faults of the case. But then she's going into the defense room and talking to the defendants like, you both put yourselves there. What do you think a jury's going to do? Do they do you, do you think they honestly care who hit him over the head? You both went in there to steal, so you could both get life or you could walk. I don't know. You know, here's some middle ground that I think that we can all work with. So it was really a fascinating process. Yeah, I think the the best part is having the the victim's family participate. Yes. Procedural justice is the, is the term for that nowadays. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, is is that's the whole idea is is clarity and transparency in what the process is instead of them god forbid reading the paper one morning and right. and seeing a plea bargain was made on their father. Yeah. I mean, and that's probably happened in mm -hmm. the past now, or did, did or just, Sharon know did she know these people? Oh, yeah. She knew them personally. Yeah, and she knew – she was one of the ones early on that knew more than likely that Rachel and Edward did it. And that was so oh. frustrating for her, thinking that Dave and Chris weren't working hard. But here's the case file. It's 300 pages long. They busted their asses on it. And again, they just – they got to the edge and then – Dave had to leave the unit. Chris got pulled, you know, so who's going to pick it up? Everybody right. else has a full caseload. And even if we didn't have a cold case unit, if a call had come in on an old case, somebody would have been assigned to track it down. Yeah, that's yes. important to realize, too, yeah. is they don't get put in a vault and no. never seen again. They're always accessible. And um, 
And, you know, there, I've said it before, too, is that sometimes time does get on your side, as the mm-hmm. Rolling Stone said. Yeah. Time's on your side. It's frustrating. Yeah. But in the lack of having workability in that moment to actually push the train forward, uh, just like you have the penalty you pay with witnesses dying. Mm-hmm. People's memories change or they relax a little bit. Time can be a benefit, too. Yeah. And again, it's like uh, of the cold cases I worked or solved, everybody's like, oh, I bet DNA really solved that. And I was like, no, it was a a ticked off ex-girlfriend. Yeah. You know, it's uh, relationships break. And with that, the loyalty to that person goes Mm -hmm. away. And especially in a situation like this where it'd be different if she wasn't there and he told her she's not in any trouble. But she knew she was there, so she kind of had – it's like, I'm not going down for this all by myself. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Yeah. And I think all of us have laid down more than one case where that happened. Absolutely. It's yeah. a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. So how much time did they end up doing? Or, ten, ten years. Ten years. They both took ten years. And they'll have to serve all ten? I believe well, eighty-five percent. Well, even it's man one, man one. Yeah, yeah. It maybe. It, oof, yeah, man it. two is twenty percent. So, but yeah, I believe it's ten years. So I think yeah, they'll do eight and a half years. Mm-hmm. But these days, you know, it it uh, that was probably a not that we like. I don't put like putting math to it, but these days maybe that's not a raw deal. I mean, it because juries can shock the shit out of you too. Yeah, well, and, I think we talked about on Schumacher how I was floored on that one. Yeah. They came back with a man one or a man two, and he'd been stabbed over a hundred times. There we go. Yeah, I'm like, a, how is that self-defense yeah. when you don't have any wounds on yourself yes. except slices on your palm where, you know, your hand slid down on the knife blade? Mm-hmm. And it's wow. just uh, – I've always said I have a great respect for jurors, but on that one, they just got it wrong. Yeah, it's that happens every now and then. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's infrequent, I think. But. Yeah, but uh, you're right. It is getting tougher to get harsher sentences. Right. Yeah. It really is like, heck, you're getting more time for, you know, like drug charges than you are a typical murder because oh. it, they will – and a lot of the murders do. It, it does boil down to a self-defense type situation. You know, you've got – Maybe two gang members, you know, going back and forth at it. And it's like he said he was going to kill me. I saw him out on the street. He pulled it, put his hand behind his back. I pulled out my gun and shot him. You know, there's some reasonable thought there that, you know, this guy said he was going to kill me. I know he has a gun and he just put his hand, you know, where I can't see it. Do I wait for him to shoot me? And so there is, you know, I, I do get that street mentality. Well, in in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, the uh, standard ground or and castle doctrines yeah. are very strong in yeah. the state. I don't know what, there were, what some of the listener states are in Kentucky. It's mm-hmm. a it's a crime for the police to list you as a suspect. Yes, if if there's an articulable to self defense, is that you can actually have a misdemeanor if you commit that by putting them mm-hmm. and accuse them in you in absolutely reason to believe that that was a self defense. Yeah, and moment. we'll you know and James Curlis taught me a lot about that. We handled that basically by if we thought it wasn't truly self defense or there was some shaky ground to it, we just take it to the grand jury exactly and let you know. 12 citizens of this city decide, uh, no, I think he was in the right. Okay. City spoken. Which which is how your community ought to be represented in the Absolutely. justice system anyway, yeah. which is a beautiful thing. So yeah. I think that's the appropriate use of a grand jury yeah. for sure. But that mediation was – and I had it again not too long ago on a, a shaken baby case, a cold case, and it worked out. That guy wound up get taken 29 years, Yeah, um, but he's kind of dead to rights, and um, he had some PFO stuff, so that's what really – 
jacked it up to 29. But Persistent felony offender. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I, I keep yeah. forgetting that everybody understands our lingo, Dave. Okay, exactly. Yeah. That's but, why we have Wendy yeah. here to, and to I'm check a, us. I don't know if I, I knew what he was saying. Yeah, because so you've been around too long, too. I was just like, huh, what yeah. do you do before then is what yeah, I was wondering. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like, uh, it, and I don't know if I'd be crazy about mediation on a fresher case, maybe, you know, because... But I do think it's a good way, especially my big thing is the victim's families represented. Mm-hmm. And what a great judge to slow down and, and talk. And that's that common sense we all wish mm-hmm. that. And I think that's what victims' families are craving. Yeah. Is that's the information they want to just make, make some sense of this. Uh, yeah. And I, some sense. the Commonwealth does a really good job with their victims advocate. Right. Keeping families up to date on the status of their cases and how it's traveling through the court system. Um, so they do a fantastic job with that. But. It's at the finish line. They can be completely sane and supportive. And then they're like, what? Only 15 years? Yeah. You know, and I get where they're coming from. And, you know, they just don't have the knowledge that I might have or the prosecutors about the court system and how it can go sideways real quick with the jury. I've always left just so much room for them because they're in a place that I hope I, I hope I live every day of my life to the last without having to deal with what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I never want to be in that box that they're in. Yeah. And so I always, I think we were all that way. That's why if they got mad at me, I was fine with that. Sure. And, yeah, and, you and, have to let them vent. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and, and to let them, I mean, it's geez, oh, Pete, that's a, that is the worst thing that's going to happen in their life, mm-hmm. period, end of story. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, I can understand that frustration completely. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, like you said, with that one jury thing in Schumacher, mm-hmm. sometimes it is just wrong. Yeah. You know? Or, or we've got, we got, I think we were always fortunate where we were at with the prosecutor's office that we had was I'd stack it up against anywhere mm-hmm. because I do look across the country and watch other places where I think things are dealt out very yeah. meekly. And yeah. uh, there's a case on the West Coast right now, and I can't remember the name of the victim, but there's it's in an uproar right now because uh, evidently there were witnesses to a murder and everything. And now the prosecutor is saying, well, the police didn't do it. I had in our job and the police were like, we took the case yeah. and they said, we're just not going to do it. And now right. now who's now, you know what, who's missing yeah. is the victim's family yeah. is watching this thing. that's probably turning very political. In front yeah. Of them, so and that was a wonderful thing about Ray Larson. Yeah. Arrest his soul. Um, he was never afraid to go to trial. Oh, Lord, no. No, yeah. he's but like, I be- believe in this case, we're going to go. And he'd yeah. tell the victims, he's like, we may not win, but we're going to take our swing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and especially if they were, you know, everybody says this, I want my day in trial until you see the suspect walk out of the courtroom. Yeah. That's what you think. And Ray would tell him, like, there's a chance, you know, but if you want us to go in, we'll go in with both fists up. Mm-hmm. And and he wasn't the same with Luann. And I know Kim Henderson is same the same. Thing. And, and you know what? Just to make sure that we're clear on this, you're not bringing them crap either, though. There, this is not a reckless thing. You do, like it was with Ray and all of them. It had to meet what they thought was there, but yeah. then they had the reality. But that's not saying they would ever take a a, a flimsy case or something that's weak, uh, right. And swing the bat. They would never do. Well, that. that's where you have to have that great relationship, especially with the homicide unit and the Commonwealth, because we could, we could take a crappy case and it's like, well, it's your problem now. Mm-hmm. And I think that's actually become a problem here, but it's now getting remedied in the homicide unit. I, I may or may not have worked for a lieutenant years ago that actually dumped one in Ray's lap that way one time. Just cared about a clearance. Oh, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll never forget that we went in and had the meeting, and, mm-hmm. uh, and I presented. It was a circumstantial thing with an arson and a death. And I yeah. remember Ray looked at me, and this was the neatest thing. Ray looked at you. He'd listen. He goes, Davey, do you think this kid lit this fire that – and I said, kid, young man, lit this fire that killed this guy. And I said, absolutely. And he goes, we're on. Yeah. 
And I swear, I'm just going to say, I'll just say it. The, the lieutenant at the time looks over and goes, basically, what we're saying is that uh, David's brought it over to you and said, you're Charles to fuck up now. Yeah. And, and then Ray looked at me and he goes, would you, David, leave and close the door on your yeah. way out? And what I heard coming out of the other side of that door was almost, it was profound. Yeah. Uh, somebody got taken to the woodshed. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny. I think Ray stole that line from him because he used that on me before I go testify. It's like, well. Now it's on you, Junior. Don't yeah. fuck it up. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence right before I go on the stand for five yeah, hours. but he would never, ever take any of your work. That's what I loved about that. I mean, he would never take your work if he didn't believe it. Yeah. Never. And that's yeah. – you have to have that. And I always did as a detective, like, I'll take over a circumstantial case. And it's like, I believe this is what happened, but we don't have DNA. We don't have right. video or, or whatnot. And I'd sit with uh, Andrea or Kim or, or whoever, and they're like – no, I see what you're saying. It's like I'm on board because I I want to be a complete team because I don't want to hand them crap that they didn't want and we lose. And they're like, way to go, idiot. Oh, yeah. So we, at least if you it. got that approval, you were in it together. Right. You know, we're, we're all invested in this and we're going to do our best. We understand it's circumstantial. You know, and more times than not, they went down, you yeah. know, because the Commonwealth was fantastic at presenting cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I always wanted that approval just – for on down the road, if things went sideways, they could never point the finger at me. It's like, you know, you lone wolf did this. But, yeah, I just wanted to make sure it was a team effort. Oh, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, Luanna Redcorn, who just left the Office of mm-hmm. Commonwealth Attorney, is I'm trying to schedule her to come in and talk about what that's like to do that job. Oh, sure. And, and to be the first female Commonwealth Attorney mm-hmm. in, in Fayette County, maybe for a lot of the region of the state. Yeah. And um, and to talk about these same dynamics we're talking about in mm-hmm. casework and things like that, so that'll be that'll be a good one. Oh too. yeah, no, she'd uh, be we're, great I'm also guest. interested at some point in bringing some victims advocates in, and let if they deal, know. bless their heart with yeah. what they have to. I mean, they're the ones that get the call. You know, they that family's had enough that day for whatever reason. They sure. had a horrible day, and they're dealt with dealing with them on the phone and talking them off the ledge. And a lot of times, you know. They're irrational, but I can get where they're coming oh, sure, from. Sure, yeah. absolutely. You know, so, you know, that bless those victims advocates for what they have to deal with and, you know, keeping that person on board and explaining things again and again and again. It's a, I would imagine, a, an exhausting job. Absolutely. Anything you've got on Charlie Sowers? Remaining questions. Well, was his daughter satisfied with the sentence they got? She understood it. She was she wasn't happy. Sure. And I get it because they did deserve more time. Yes. But I think it was the right decision. Um, The judge and the prosecutor, uh, Jenna McNeil, um, did a great job of explaining the process and a potential outcome and reminded her of her original conversation with me. It's like, I just want answers. I don't want their life ruined. So we're actually able to remind her of her own thoughts originally when I reopened the case. So she relented. It's like, I no, you did say that. And I agreed. And it's like, and, and that's where we are right now. And I know it's not what you want. I know it's not what they deserve, but I think this is the best outcome we can get. And she I, understood it. I think it would be frustrating if I were her, that she knew all along. Sure. Like she just knew who did it. And well, Dave and Chris proved, knew. Proven. You know, they knew. But again, it's that what you know and what you can prove. That's right. There's a mile in between that. Well, and I, I think also that's mighty big of her to say she doesn't want the rest of their lives ruined because if that were my oh, father, sure. I would say I hope they never see the light of day again. So that was mighty yeah. big of well, her. I'd have, if somebody did that to somebody in my family, I'll just tell you, I'd bail them out. 
yeah. low bond and uh, hunt them down. Yeah. yeah. We, we won't have a trial. Yeah. <laughs> so. And Dave could get away with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and if it got tight, I, they'd assign it to Billy Richmond and escape. <laughs> It'd be okay. Oh, Billy's giving out more than he's caught. Oh, he was Billy was brutal himself. So I love that we can bash on him. He's not even here to defend himself. Oh, exactly. We got to make sure. I think Don Evans. He from the stories I was was hearing, he probably took he took his share of bashings Mm -hmm. from Billy. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, it's interesting because. I had a great run of like 20 years with great people and you had a really good unit too. Yeah, it was a blast. You know, there's some really sharp guys and everybody. It was all learning. Everything, every day you learned. Yeah. I mean, every day you learned. No, it's a a part of me really misses it. But um, I think what I really miss was gone several years ago. Yeah. That camaraderie, like my team dissolved. Like I looked up one day, I was like, wow, I'm the last one. And nothing against the new guys that came in, but we didn't have those shared experiences, you know, and I'm almost a generation older than some of those new guys, you know, and it's like they'd start making jokes about me being old. I'm like, wait, I used to do that to Schoon. When did I become the old man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. you're the old yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. yeah they're leaving depends on your desk and stuff like that. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the, the itch is always there because we've done some unsolves and we're aware mm-hmm. of some other unsolves. And there's a part of you when you listen that I, my mind starts registering just like, yeah. like a machine on what would I do with this? What about this? Da, 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 da. And you start, and there's a piece of you that damn near puts a key in the car. Yeah. And goes out and starts knocking on doors. And then you yeah. realize you don't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, Chris and I still have two that we're um, working with the um, homicide unit right now. One that I picked up, I think you were the one. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Close on that, and we're close on another. So we're talking with the, the homicide unit and the Commonwealth. Um, there's some evidence issues that we need to figure out, mm-hmm. but I think that these two are two that will will go down eventually. And I'd love to. Yeah, see it that. won't be us. I think Travis Holt, if they allow him time, is working cold cases, but they're so busy right mm-hmm. now. Um, yeah, I think for the last three years we've had a new record of murders in Lexington. Like we keep breaking it every year. A huge year. turnover constantly. Yes, of people. Yeah. yeah, and that's again we talked about it. Five years, you're just like really starting to feel confident about, you know, your abilities as a homicide detective. Well, you know, I, I bragged, you know, I retired three years ago, just to date stamp this a little bit, and my last command was special investigations. And when I'm out working across the country, as I always brag legitimately that in that command, I had uh, two shifts of narcotics detectives. Those were the most senior investigators in the police department, period, mm-hmm. end of story. Yes. And, uh, and I was blessed to have mm-hmm. that. Because what I was seeing happen over in general investigations yeah. was was that huge turnover. And uh, I felt so lucky to have all that. that I'm guessing Matt Evans, Jerry oh, Kurtzinger. Yeah. There we yeah. go. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, just uh, latchkey. I mean, you, they were so good. You felt like the Maytag repairman as the commander. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just, you just get them a new water fountain was the best yeah. thing I could get them. You know? No, I was always uh, amazed at the like the high level work that uh, Matt and Jared did, you know, not just busting street corners. I'm talking cartel bus. Exactly. And how that tied into murder investigations. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. There's, there's well, one. I think, did you have Bill and Steve on about the blue sky parkway? That's That one I think is, I've talked to Matt about it. I think we're going to try to work that out. That would do. be a fantastic yeah, one. It's, uh, Cause that was one of the few murders that I am aware of that actually went federal. Yeah, exactly. So, and that was due to the, you know, the crossing 
state lines with cocaine and mm-hmm. I- international travel. And yeah, yeah, it was a fascinating case. Bill and Steve did exhaustive work on yeah, that. Yeah, I, th- I think that that we that Matt's agreed. Uh, you know, there'll be a couple issues we'll have to sidestep. Yeah, on, like a lot of cases. So. Yeah, and so I got one of my best compliments ever. It's like somebody was talking about. It's like we can't decide if you're the Matt Evans of homicide or he's the Rob Wilson of narcotics. Oh, I was like, thank is, you very yeah, much. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, I just, right. yeah, I think the world of the work that Matt's done, it's just, I keep, I'll read in the paper because we don't, narcotics and homicide aren't even in the same building. Right. We don't talk all that much, but I'll hear something. I was like, how the hell did we get that many kilos in Matt Evans? Like, of course. Exactly. Yeah. Well, if we're there, if you want to bow us out. Well, Rob, thank you for sharing this very interesting case. Great job on solving it after more than a decade. It really goes to Chris and Dave at the beginning. They laid the groundwork. Like I said, I showed you the work. You know, they have 400 pages. I have 35. So, it, it you know, they figured it out. But it, time was on my side, like Dave said. So, yeah, all the credits to them. Well, and ultimately, I think it comes back to what you said, teamwork. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, yeah, one thing we've learned about cold cases is, and again, I was thankful for being there at the scene, even though I wasn't a primary. I picked up knowledge. I listened to Dave. You still had knowledge of it. Because it's so difficult picking up a case you know nothing about. Right. A cold case. I mean, there's so many questions that aren't in here and they may not be relevant, but you don't know until you go back and figure it out. It's like, oh, and you spent. 10 days, two weeks finding that answer. And it's like, oh, this was crap. And the original detective probably knew it, but knew it not to be important enough to put it in the case file. Yes. Right. So you have to do a lot of rework that runs into dead ends on ones you don't know about. But on this one, I had an elementary knowledge of the case, and that really helped get it going. Goes to show you that's why it's important to have that teamwork. And, you know, sitting in that bay, like you said, with everyone together, you at least picked up on some things that, that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have known or wouldn't have been in the case files. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for coming to join us, and we can't wait to have you back on your next one. Looking forward to it always. Yeah, thanks again. It's always fun to, to reminisce on some of that stuff. I hope the audience yeah. doesn't get too bored with that, but, yeah. it's just, but, it, but it is fun. And, oh, uh, yeah. And, and, but I think most of our listeners, like I said before, that's what they're interested in is what that's really like to work with. People. The everyday life. Exactly. Yeah. No, it is. It's uh, And that was a good thing about my units. Like We knew when it was time to work hard. Right. And we knew when it was time to play hard. Sure. You know? Sure. And you have to have that balance and everybody was on the same page and you work three days straight and there's not a joke told, mm-hmm. you know, and then you can take a breath and right. have some fun. Exactly. Well, again, thank you a bunch. Absolutely. Good deal. The Murder Police Podcast is hosted by Wendy and David Lyons and was created to honor the lives of crime victims. So their names are never forgotten. It is produced, recorded, and edited by David Lyons. The Murder Police podcast can be found on your favorite Apple or Android podcast platform, as well as at murderpolicepodcast.com, where you will find show notes, transcripts, information about our presenters, and a link to the official Murder Police podcast merch store, where you can purchase a huge variety of Murder Police podcast swag. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube which is closed caption for those that are hearing impaired. Just search for the Murder Police Podcast and you will find us. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for more and give us five stars and a written review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download your podcasts. Make sure you set your player to automatically download new episodes so you get the new ones as soon as they drop. And please tell your friends. Lock it down, Judy.